the religious people gathered together, plotted to kill Jesus. It was on Wednesday before his death when Jesus was in Bethany. And he was there at the home of Simon the leper. And if you remember, he was there uh, dining with them at their table when a lady by the name of Mary came and began to anoint Jesus with oil, with expensive perfume. The disciples some of them were outraged, thinking, why are we wasting this money, this perfume? It could be used to, in exchange for money to feed the poor for some other need. Of course, Ju uh, Judas had another idea of what he wanted to do. So he was actually plotting on this day as well on how he was going to betray Jesus. So this is kind of a very pivotal day in the week of Holy Week. Judas chooses, makes his mind up to betray Christ on this day. In fact, this day is often called, or historically it's been also called Spy Wednesday because it represents the day when Jesus, or when Jesus was ambushed by, uh, by Judas in, in the plot, in the plan. Uh, so what I see here on this day is we have two examples before us on how we can respond, how we can act, how we can move through this holy week. Are we gonna move through it as a Judas that betrays Christ? And I know no one here is gonna betray Christ, but will we go lazy? Will we go lame? Will we go silent? Will we miss an opportunity? Will we not take an opportunity to be a light for Christ? Or will we be like Mary? who fell at Jesus' feet and began to worship him and poured oil on his feet as she worshiped him. Even Mary's sister didn't understand her extravagant worship. Martha was like, whoa, Jesus, tell her to get in here in the kitchen and help me. He said, no, what she's doing is good. So we have two pictures before us of directions that we could take. We can either lean in to Jesus and fall on our knees and begin to worship him or we can back away from him and we can follow our own selfish desires you're here tonight because you've chosen to lean in and I want to challenge you to continue to lean in on this holy week as we move into Monday Thursday tomorrow night which is our meal covenant a meal to remember it's when we gather together and we will eat together and we celebrate when Jesus ate the Last Supper with his disciples and broke bread with them, and we will break bread together. And we will remember this Holy Week. We'll also have our uh, pastor from our Jewish Messianic service that will be here to walk us through a teaching on the unleavened Christ and connection with the unleavened bread. It will be, it'll be beautiful, but we'll eat together on Thursday night. I hope you'll make your plans to be here. Make sure you sign up. You got to sign up for it so we'll know how many to prepare for. Friday night is Good Friday. We remember the sacrifice of Jesus when he hung on that cross and he died. 
we will remember him through worship and communion. Saturday morning, we have special events to reach our community. But then we kick off with our Sunday morning sunrise service to remember on Sunday morning, Jesus rose from the dead. So 7 a.m., 9, 10, 20, 11, 45, it's a busy week, but all of it is to remember this most important week in our Christian heritage, going back to Judaism, remembering what Christ did for us, remembering his sacrifice, the steps that he took, and all that he did to provide a way of life, a way of eternal life for each and every one of us. We're going to do something a little different tonight. I've asked Pastor Kyle and Pastor Kelly if they would to come and join me here on the platform. And because we've been in the book of James, I don't think it's by chance or by accident, but we're going to take a few portions from James chapter 4 and James chapter 5, and we're going to read those portions of Scripture, and we're going to use them as prayer points as we pray through a few prayer topics tonight, preparing ourselves and, and literally bathing the rest of this week in prayer. Because I think most of us understand the magnitude of this weekend. More people will attend church on Easter weekend than any other week out of the year. So more people will be exposed to the gospel on this weekend than any other week of the year. More people have an opportunity to actually darken the doors of the church than any other weekend in the year. So this is the perfect weekend to put it all on the line, to do whatever it takes to get somebody to come to church, to get them here to hear the gospel. So we're going to pray. Tonight is, is a prayer focus. As we pray over our Thursday night meal to remember our good Friday service and our Saturday outreach, the brunch and the block party, as well as our Saturday night service and the Sunday morning services. We want to pray over those and we want to cover them. So we're going to give you some prayer topics. But I want to start in James chapter 4, verse number 6. Beginning verse 6 through 10. It says, but he gives us more grace. This is why the scriptures say God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. So our prayer points are simply this. Our prayer points that God would give grace over our lives. We want His grace upon our lives. We want His grace upon every person that has the potential to be in this house or on this campus over the next few days, right? We want God's grace. We want humility. We want to walk in humility so that when we interact with people and we invite people, they know that we're, we're asking out of humility, not out of pride like our church is better than anybody else's. We want to pray for God's blessing on all the other churches that are preaching the gospel and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? I want God to bless all the churches. I want every one of them to have record attendance. I want every one of them to get souls saved. But we're praying right here for this house humility, and a passion for God, and an attitude to defeat the enemy. That's what we're going to pray for, because that's what we see in this scripture that we just read. God's grace over our lives, humility, passion for God, 
and to defeat the enemy. So let me just give you real quickly here, because as we move into uh, Good Friday service where we have communion, and then every Wednesday night when we do communion here, uh, how do we practice humility and grace? Let me just tell you real quick. Number one, and we do this every Wednesday night, but sometimes we may not recognize we have this opportunity to practice humility when we, number one, remember the cross. We remember the cross. We remember what Jesus did upon the cross. When you hold that cup of juice in your hand and you, and you remember the shed blood of Jesus Christ that was shed upon the cross, when we focus upon what Jesus did on the cross, it makes him bigger, it makes us smaller. We, step, we practice humility by remembering his pain, his suffering, what he did upon the cross. Secondly, you can acknowledge your dependency upon God every single day. You wake up in the morning and say, God, I recognize I need you today. I, I, don't, I don't have it all together today without you. I'm not my best without you. I won't make the best decisions without you. I acknowledge that I need you today. Every day, acknowledge him. That's a way to practice humility and grace. Number three, just practicing the spiritual disciplines of Bible reading and prayer and worship. Whenever you do that, you know what you're doing? Every day when you take an opportunity to get into the Word of God, you are saying, I need the wisdom that comes from the Word of God. What that's saying is, God, I recognize that your wisdom is better than my wisdom. Your ways are higher than my ways. So I'm submitting myself to your word. I'm reading your word. I'm praying because I'm seeking your favor and your blessing in my life. I'm worshiping you because you are bigger than I am. All of that is a way to practice humility and grace. It makes us smaller, makes him bigger. And then number four, give God credit for any good thing he's ever done in your life. Because we got to recognize that every good gift has come down from the Father of lights. Any good thing that happens... Thank you, Lord, you made that happen. Promotion that comes, thank you, Lord, you made that happen. Favor on the job, God, you made that happen. You got protected from a, a wreck, you're driving, and you see a wreck on the highway, thank the Lord that he protected you. To, and pray for that person who was in the wreck. But recognize that any good thing that's ever come in your life has come into your life because God is good. He's good. So as we pray, that God would give grace over our lives, grace over every family, every individual, every young person, every child, every youth, every young adult, every married couple, every senior, that God would give grace to them as they make their way to this campus starting tomorrow and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. We want to pray that God would give grace. He would give us humility. He would give us a passion. I want our passion to be so evident that people say these people are in love with Jesus. You know, in the book of Acts, people recognized that, that there were followers of Christ because they said they've been with Jesus. I want people to come in here and know that we've been with Jesus. I don't want them to see us doing church in our power, in our strength. We're not trying to pull off the slickest and the cutest and the, and the most hip service this weekend. We're in here to worship God, to put our hearts before Him like Mary, to throw ourselves down on our knees and worship Him. And when people see our passion for God, I believe they'll want the the same thing. Can I get an amen? And then we will pray that the enemy is defeated. We know the devil's a liar. We know that he can't win. If we will 
uh, stand upon the word of God and we will trust in the power of God. So I'm going to ask you if you will pray with me for these things right now and just put your voice to these prayer points right now. We're just going to call on God and then I'm going to have Pastor Kelly come up and take the next passage of scripture and then we're going to pray over those things. Father, I thank you that you give us the power to be able to defeat the enemy in our lives. You've given us that power. You've given us that strength. You've given us that authority. And so we exercise that authority over the next few days. And we declare that anything that would be trying to prevent people from being in this house, we declare that the enemy is defeated in the name of Jesus. I pray that our passion would be so evident that when people come in this house, they see that we are in love with no one but Jesus. We're in love with Jesus and that our passion, it demonstrates our commitment to you. And I pray that our passion would draw people to the cross of Jesus Christ. God, let our humility be seen above everything else. May we not operate in pride. May we not operate in, uh, in self-confidence. But may our confidence be in you and you alone because we recognize that everything we have, everything that's been done here, it's all because of your goodness and your grace. And I pray that the grace of God would be upon everyone here and would be upon every person that we invite to come over the next few days. I'm asking for the grace of God to be evident in lives today. And God, will give you all the glory for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Pastor Kelly. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> tag in going there. Man, I love the book of James. As we started this series, I remember I said that James was an in your face kind of guy. It, sometimes we don't always like to hear it that way, but sometimes the truth hurts. I guess you could say James chapter four, verse 11 through 12. There's a couple of those verses there that kind of sting, but they speak some truth to all of us. Read with me in 11. He says, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and one judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? James is tough. C.S. Lewis wrote in Mere Christianity, he said something similar like this. He said, one of the marks of a certain type of a bad man is that he cannot give up a thing himself without wanting everyone else to give it up too. This is not the Christian way. An individual who may see fit to give up all sorts of things for special reasons, whether it's marriage or meat or beer or cinema, but turns his nose upon those who use that has taken the wrong turning himself. That's how C.S. Lewis says it. I say it this way, mind your own business. That's what James is saying to us. I wonder how many people, unfortunately, have been turned away from Christ because of the judgment of those within the church. Given the tone that, that James is using here, we can tell from his words that he's probably speaking to a situation within his congregation or maybe a couple situations where there's some slander going on, some, some, some gossip being spread around. King James Version says, verse 11, this way, don't speak evil against each other. Do you understand that when we slander or when we lie or when we embellish the truth about someone or spread gossip, we are speaking evil. A lot of times we think maybe it's just a little lie. It's just a little friendly gossip. We're just trying to spread the word to help them out a little bit. The Bible says that we are speaking evil into that situation, into their life, and yes, into ours. If 
we criticize those and, and, and judge other people, James in verse 12 says that we are standing in judgment of the law of God itself. We might ask, how could we do that? How could we, in criticizing someone, be criticizing the law or judging the law? Jesus said it this way, that the greatest commandment was to love God with all your heart, and the second was to love your neighbor as yourself. So when we speak judgment towards our neighbor, guess what we're doing? Not loving them, in turn breaking the law. The ninth commandment says to love your neighbor. And to speak in judgment from someone, to, to slander them, as James says, which is an intent to hurt, is to not love them as Christ would love them. I know the truth is that sometimes judgment is, is difficult. It's hard not to, to criticize somebody. And we may even find ourselves thinking, how is it that if I'm attacking others, I'm attacking the law? I'll never forget that when I began early my ministry in Oklahoma City, I was on a lunch break from my job. And I sit down at this Taco Bell and was hurriedly trying to eat my lunch and get back to work. And this fellow walked in, a big, big guy with, with purple hair and nose rings and tattoos everywhere and you got to remember this was like 1990 so that stuff wasn't cool you know and and he came in and he ordered his food and he sat at a table a few tables from me and I began to think immediately that guy needs Jesus there's no question this guy's got it rough man and I sit down and I watched him put his food there and I thought maybe I ought to go witness to him perhaps after all he looks like somebody who needs Jesus and then this big rough looking fellow bowed his head and prayed the longest prayer over Taco Bell. Might be necessary, but he prayed. And I remember that moment, I didn't even pray for my food. I would meet him later at a concert and realize he was the nighttime DJ of a Christian radio station that reached a certain crowd. And he and I would actually develop a relationship and he's an evangelist today. I made a judgment based solely on his decision. I wasn't necessarily judging him harshly, but I, I was looking only at the outside. You see, I've been judged too. I was a guy standing on stage that everybody wanted to be. I was a guy on stage that looked like he had it all together. People making, <laughs> talk about the bad judgment. Because as I was on stage giving off that appearance, I was the guy inside battling my own demons, losing a battle. I was the guy nobody wanted to be. You see, James is trying to tell us here that there is only one who can judge. There's only God who knows the motives. There's only God who knows what's in someone's heart. Here's our hope and prayer as a staff, and we know it's yours too. I hope the people that we might on a normal day judge come in here this Sunday. I hope the people that we think need Jesus come in here this Sunday. But when they do, I hope our judgment of them is with love. I hope that our, 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 our speak to them and of them is with love. The version, I want to share one more thing with you, one more. The Message Bible says it this way. Don't badmouth each other, friends. It's God's word, his message, his royal rule that takes a beating in that kind of talk. You're supposed to be honoring the message, not writing graffiti all over it. God is in charge of deciding human destiny. Who do you think you are to meddle in the destiny of others? 
this Easter, could I just encourage you today that when you speak of not just your brothers and sisters in Christ, but your co-workers, your family members, your distant family members, your neighbors, your enemies, when you speak of them, remember to speak in love. Remember not to speak evil. As we pray today, we're going to pray that God would give us this weekend a desire to love our neighbor. That God would remove the judgment that might be there. Our prayer points for this, as James says, is that there would be no judgment. And that you and I would have a heart for the hurting and the lost. Regardless of what they look like. Regardless of where they come from. Regardless of their past. I want to pray today that our hearts would be open as Christ is. Because here's what I believe. God is looking for a church who will take those people this weekend. That's what he's looking for. He's not looking for a church who wants numbers. He's not looking for a church who who wants the people who look right and dress up in their Easter best. He's looking for a church who will take the people who need Jesus. So I'm going to ask you today as as you do this, would you just pray that God would make your heart that way? God, convict me of the wrong in my judgment, the wrong in my language, the wrong in my criticism. And God, make my heart like yours today. Father, our prayer, God, is that we would, as you said, in the second greatest commandment of all, is that we would love people, Lord, as we love ourselves. And God, that in doing that, God, we would be, remove any judgment that might be there. God, any, any criticism that might be there, any slander that might be there. God, help us to know that there is power, as James says, power in our words. Power in our tongue, God. Help us to be a people who speak life and not judgment. But Lord, we know that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So God, you must first make our heart right, God. Give us a heart for the lost, a heart for the hurting, a heart for the lonely, a heart for the broken, God, a heart for the needy. Lord, as you walk this earth with eyes of compassion, God, not eyes of judgment, give us those eyes. As we look on people this weekend, as we look on people at work, God, as we look on people in the world, God, give us eyes of compassion, Lord. A heart for the hurting and the lost. And Lord, we pray today, send the broken this way, God. Send the broken this way, because our heart wants them in Jesus' name. Well, we were in James chapter 4, and we're going to jump quickly over to James chapter 5. And we're going to look at a popular passage of Scripture. And I love it because James sets it up at the end with some questions. I like questions. I like asking questions, don't I, Travis? I like asking questions because questions bring about a response. They bring action. And James, as we've talked about, is all about action with our tongue, with our humility, with our lives, with doing good deeds. James sets us up for a powerful ending right here at the end. And we look at verse 13. It says, is anyone among you in trouble? Question mark. Let him pray. Sets up a question and then directly gives us the solution. Is anyone happy? Then this is your response. Let him sing songs of praise. What is that? That's worship that we do on Sundays and Wednesdays. That's worship that you do, Shara, in the car as you're driving around. That's worship as you put it on in your kitchen, as you're cooking some noodles. That's worship unto God. Are you happy? Then let's take that happiness to the next level and let's worship and sing songs of praise to him. And then he gives us a third question. Is anyone sick among you? 
Uh, we know in our culture, in this world, there are a lot of sick people among us. In fact, we often ask that question, what do we do? In fact, some of us like me that lack a little bit of compassion, right? We put our hands up and go, the little emoji with the blue guy, and he's like, right? You've sent it. I've never sent it, but you've sent it. Those hands up in the air, like, what do we do? Because there are some things that we can't even take care of ourselves, only God says, is there anyone sick among you? Then let him call the elders of the church and pray over them and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Not the name of the pastor, not the name of the deacon, not the name of the Sunday school teacher, but in the name of the Lord, because that, James says, is where our source is from. That's where the power flows from, the name of the Lord. And then in verse 15, it says, then the prayer, everyone say prayer, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Now, this doesn't mean we don't go to the doctor. This doesn't mean that we don't go to a counselor. This doesn't mean that we go to any of these other places. But he's saying God should be your first stop. God should be the thing that is the source and the thread that's through it all because he can and will make the sick person well. For the Lord will raise him up. Mm. That's powerful, isn't it? Are you, are you in trouble? Then we pray. Are, are you sick? Then we pray. Are you happy? Then we worship. And the Lord becomes the root of it all. James ends with the Lord being the root of it all. And then he directs us here. Watch where he directs us. If they've sinned, then they will be forgiven. And he brings it all back to this thing of eternity, of God forgiving sins, because we know through the gospels that what? Salvation is the greatest miracles. The disciples chased raising the dead. The disciples chased leprosy drying up and falling off the skin. But Jesus brought them back to the reality that salvation is the greatest miracle. And that's what this Sunday is going to be all about, that Jesus would save souls. Remember that word, Hosanna? It means simply save us. And that's what those people were crying that day on the streets of Jerusalem. And then it continues to one of my favorite scriptures I held on to when I started out in church. James 5, 16, therefore, Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man or woman is powerful and effective. I memorized it as a young man in the King James. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And I remember like I had a machine gun on my stomach, I would walk around the church and pray James 5.16. My prayers matter. My prayers make a difference. I remember going up to people in the church that were sick and in need and placing my hands upon them and standing on James 5.16 that what? My prayers would make a difference that through him through him we shall see great things so our prayer points tonight over this over this section in james 5 are simply this that we would be a people of worship that we are we would show ourselves this weekend from thursday to friday to saturday and sunday that we would be happy that we would put whatever we have going on in our lives aside and we'd walk into this place filled with happiness and that our hearts would rejoice and worship him we also want to pray for miracles in this house. Did you know that often when Jesus did a miracle in his day, he did the miracle and healed them before they were ever saved and prayed the sinner prayer and came over with a white pen and signed that I've decided wall before they ever got a cupcake, before they ever got a text response. Jesus often healed them physically before he gave them the clear up salvation. So we're going to pray for miracles this weekend, that as Jacob begins to sing, that God would begin to heal their heart, and they didn't even know what was going on. All of a sudden, this 
thing in their stomach is beginning to drop off. All of a sudden, this turmoil that's in their lives begins to fall off. Why? Because Jesus Christ did the healing. We want to pray for faith, that we would be a church that's full of faith. We want to pray that what? We would be people of prayer. Just as he said in 16, that our prayers would accomplish much, that our prayers, AJ, would be effective, and that we out of this weekend would become a church that is more fascinated and fixed on prayer. Can we be a people that takes James' words and begins to pray like we've never prayed? And I want to leave you with one thought before we pray. Back up, if you will. It says this, that if we go to him for forgiveness, then we go to our brothers for what? Healing. So Jesus brings healing, but our brothers help bring, I'm sorry, Jesus gives us our forgiveness. He washes away our sins, but our brothers come along and help us be completely healed. And this is the reason for the church the brothers and sisters of Christ to come alongside us and help bring complete healing in our life. Oh, we know Jesus is the healer, but he also calls on us, the body, to link arms with each other and find healing and strength in our prayers and our worship and our time assembling together. So we go to him for forgiveness, but we look to our brothers for continued healing in our lives. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you right now. Lord, I just ask that this weekend would be huge. Lord, I pray that we, the church, would see miracles. We would see signs. We would see wonders. We would see you do great and mighty things. And I pray that out of this weekend, that we, the church, the body, the ones that are the faithful core, that we would rise up and be people of faith. We would rise up and be people of prayer. We would rise up and be people that worship. Lord, I pray that this weekend, our worship would increase. That if we're at a six right now, you take us up this weekend to an eight. People in this church that come here on Sunday mornings that have never lived lifted their hands, I pray they lift their hands. People that have never danced, they would begin to dance. People that have never shouted out and screamed and hollered, they'd begin to do that, God, that we would be people who are fixed upon you. Our attention is on you. And I pray this weekend would be full of miracles, wonders, signs, evident power of Jesus Christ being this house. May they show up. May those who are not accustomed to church, may those who have not given their lives to Jesus Christ show up and sense, as Pastor said, something different that we, the body, have been with Jesus. Amen. Do me a favor. Stand to your feet, will you? I'm going to have you pray standing this last final prayer, the last portion of James chapter 5. Musicians are going to come back up here, and then we're going to close out praying for you. If you have a need, we're going to have our prayer partners stand here at the front. But in James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, it says, Brothers and sisters, if one of you should wonder from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. If we do our part and we're able to get people here to accept Jesus Christ, we will have saved them from death. Do you realize the magnitude of what we're doing this week? Literally saving people from death. And God will cover a multitude of sin. So our prayer points are simply this. Salvations. In every single service, salvations. We're believing for the anointing of God to be upon all of our weekend services, whether it's our meal or Good Friday service or our Saturday night or Sunday morning sunrise or the three uh, regular services, 9, 10, 20, 11, 45. We're praying for prodigals to come home. We're believing that God's going to bring them home. 
So how, how are we going to do that? There's three things I want you to focus on. One is we want to pray that the Holy Spirit would begin to minister to those who are heirs of salvation. That right now, wherever they are, just like there was that time in the prodigal son's life when he was in the pig pen and the Bible says he came to himself or he came to his senses. What happened? The Holy Spirit started working on him and, and he came to his senses. We're praying that the Holy Spirit would go and minister to people wherever they are. If they're frustrated, if they're down, if they're depressed, if they're worried, if they're uh, confused, if they're fearful, that the Holy Spirit would be to minister to them. And the second thing that we need uh, to happen is that they would just simply understand how sweet it is to be in Jesus. How sweet it is to know Jesus Christ. That it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. Just, we want them to understand how good it is to know Christ as their Savior. And then let's pray that God would begin to work on the will because every one of them have a will and they have to choose to follow Christ. So we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit would minister to them, that they would understand that God is good, He has a great plan for their life, and then that God would begin to work on their will, to change their will. And I know sometimes He may do that through healing. He may do that when he comes in here and he sees people see us worshiping and experience our passion. But their will would begin to change and they'll make a decision to follow Christ. When they make that decision, they start a brand new life. We will have saved them from death. So I want us to pray for prodigals to come home, for our weekend service, for Easter salvations. If you'll notice this, we've completely erased the I've decided wall. Not, and we've got them marked. We've taken pictures of it. We have all those documented. But every year, we start over on Easter weekend. So I want you to start believing. I want you to start visualizing that wall filling up again. It takes about a year for that thing to be completely filled up again. We paint over it. We start all over again. This is a new season, a brand new season for a lot of people. It's a brand new life for a lot of people. But it will be happen because the church prays. When we pray, things happen. When we pray, mountains move. When we pray, the Spirit is unleashed. When we pray, people get saved. So I want you to do me a favor. Just lift your hands up to the Lord right now. As we lift our hands up all over this place, let's pray for prodigals to come home. Let's pray for your brothers and your sisters, your sons and your daughters, your mothers and your fathers, for your neighbors to come home. Father, we call prodigals out of the pig pen. We call them out of the city. We call them out of the darkness. We call them out of their selfish living back into relationship with you. We call them back to the family of God. God, we pray that you would begin to tweak their will and allow them to make a decision to follow you, that they would say yes to Jesus. I pray that you would help them to understand that God is good and he has a wonderful plan for each of their lives. So Lord, whatever it takes for the prodigals to come home, we're calling them in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. We call in the harvest of God. We call them into this house. In every service, may somebody come to know you as Lord and Savior. We call them out of sin. We call them out of darkness. We call them out of bondage. We call them out of fear. And we call them into right relationship with you, Lord Jesus. And we declare that your will will be done. Your kingdom come right here on this earth as it is in heaven. We know that you desire each and every person to walk in right relationship with you. So Lord, we call them out of the wrong relationships. We call them out of their hopelessness. We call them out of their despair. We call them out of their dysfunction. We call them out of their sickness. We call them out of this backwards, upside down culture. And we call them to be made right with you. 
God. I declare favor over Freedom Church for this Easter season. I declare favor over the families of freedom. That every time we go out and we spread the gospel, that a seed would be planted in somebody's heart that would bring forth the fruit of a new brother and sister in the Lord. We claim it. We declare it in the powerful name of Jesus. Come on, and everybody said amen. Come on, let's give him some praise. Come on, let's praise him.